We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good evening to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the fill-in host of the IB Nation Sports Talk. Gosh, I didn't even get all everything going here. IB Nation Sports Talk. And it is Wednesday. It is July 27th. And when it's Wednesday, that means that the incomparable Jesse Styers is the co-host today. Your dad's... Your dad's out doing his thing on vacation, and you and I are stuck here working. What's up with that? I think that this is the the pairing that the people have been wanting to see, to be honest <laughs> with you. I don't, I don't think the, the the listeners know that our relationship goes back pretty deep. I've known Vince for a long time, okay, guys? That, that is a good point. I remember a little eight-year-old Jesse running around <laughs> uh, the Dream Job competition many, many, many moons ago, which was by the way, about 18 years ago. So that is, we're coming up on the anniversary of that. And the only reason I know that is because your dad's anniversary and my anniversary are on the same day. And so I'm able to remember your dad's anniversary. Um, otherwise, I would never remember. So that's 18 years ago, man. It's coming up fast. I think that's why you guys are just uh, lifelong kind of best friends at this point. You guys got married on the same day. I know, You're always right? going to be thinking about each other on the day that you got married. Which is weird. But which is weird. Which is weird, but that's okay. That, that See, is okay. This is how this, this whole relationship goes full circle. That's right. That's absolutely <laughs> right. So, And then I had the privilege of coaching Jesse uh, in high school uh, when he played football. And so I, I'm pretty sure you have a permanent reminder on one of your arms of one of our assistant coaches. <laughs> it's actually been there. showing up a lot. I've been looking at pictures a lot recently. <laughs> and it like... It is getting more and more noticeable by the oh day. Oh boy! Oh boy! We're That's talking like good. a good six, seven inches. Yeah. On, on me. Yeah, that was um, that was a memorable day. That was a memorable day. I'll just put it that way. There's a lot of memorable memorable days. Yes, that is that's a fact. So, but anyway, nobody wants to know about our trip down memory lane. But I appreciate this is fun because you and I have not done a show together before, and this is the first time for that. So I'm pretty pumped up about it, Jess. Right. It's exciting. Got some good topics today. I think we're really going to get into some good stuff. Absolutely. So today's topic, we are going to talk about 
the myths surrounding Notre Dame football, and we are going to debunk those myths. That's the plan here. And so we've got a bunch, actually. I think we I wrote down a total of like seven or eight of them. We'll see if we get to all of them. There, there's a bunch that we're going to talk about today. And you, you know, we were talking about before the show started that the everybody's got a buddy who hates Notre Dame. And they have a reason why. And usually that reason is nonsense. It's a myth. It doesn't even exist. And you try to explain it to that guy. And it usually just because it's such a deep-seated hatred for Notre Dame, because that's how it is. You either love Notre Dame or you hate Notre Dame. But it's such a deep-seated hatred for Notre Dame. It's like if somebody tried to get me to to like Michigan. I, it, it would go in one ear and out the other because my of my deep-seated hatred for them. And it wouldn't matter to me. That's how people look at Notre Dame. We're going to try to debunk some of those myths, Jess. Yeah, I think the the big thing I look at is it's very comparable to if you say you're like a Yankees fan yes. or a Cowboys fan. So I'm like, I got two of them already being a Cowboys and Notre Dame fan. A lot yeah. of people don't like that. A lot of times they say, yeah, I'm a Cowboys and a Notre Dame fan. They go, are you a Yankees fan too? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not quite that bad, you know? <laughs> you could throw in like the Lakers and the Celtics in there, I think. But that's just kind of like... It just the, to get the listeners to think about, you know, how some of these people le- think it's a, it's a deep love or a deep hate. There's no real in between. And like you were saying, being, you know, you have friends that have all these different reasons why they hate Notre Dame. And then you break it down to them like, dude, that doesn't even make sense. Like why you're, you're just hating to hate. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. And so we're going to do our best. We're going to give you people some reasons to debunk these myths about Notre Dame. We're going to do the best that we can. And I, before we get started, Irish one, smash the like button, people. Get on it. Smash that like button. Show us some love. We really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just, <laughs> just nail it. Smash that like button. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face. And she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. 
They were chosen by trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. So anyway, let's jump into this thing. You are the guest today, Jesse. Why don't you kick us off with your first myth that you would like to debunk about Notre Dame football? So the one that I I often hear a lot, it kind of goes twofold, is Notre Dame plays an easy schedule slash doesn't have a conference championship at the end of their season. So that's... That's what I'm presenting first. Um, I, I don't care. We can go, Vince, your thoughts first, my thoughts first. No, you nail it. You, 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 uh, you kick it off, man, and I'll, I'll kind of jump in here and there. So the way I look at this one is like, uh, you know, Notre Dame plays. Yes, they, they don't play in a conference, obviously. They don't have a conference championship at the end of the season that they would likely play in, you know, I would say every nine out of ten seasons at this point. Um, but I think what, the, what, what you have to look at, and my, my thing that I like to bring up the most is that Notre Dame – uh, largely sticks to a power five schedule. I know that they, you know, put, they, they've had some Mac schools in there recently and, you know, some ins and outs with some other conferences, but Notre Dame largely sticks to a power five schedule and they also don't play an FCS opponent, you know, at the beginning of every, well, I guess that's changing a little bit. It is changing up. in the future. Let me put an asterisk there. That's as of things. right now, as yeah. of right now, they but don't. We're talking about the past, right. we're talking about the past, the current situation. And, you know, they don't play an FCS school. So you take, you know, you, you, it's basically you have 12 data points uh, out there to judge your season. These other schools have 12 plus a conference championship. But how can you take, uh, you know, an FCS opponent as a as a data point? I'd love to be Alabama or Auburn or those SEC schools, you know, that play those schools week one or week two or often will put them at the end of the season to kind of give their guys a break before going into a big game. So those are the things that I look at. Yes, Notre Dame plays 12 teams, but they're playing very, you know, competitive 12 teams compared to, you know, these other conferences that have an FCS opponent and then maybe a bowl game. Well, if you add that, or sorry, conference championship, if you add that conference championship, that brings the total back up to 12 in my eyes. So those are almost equal playing fields, uh, in my opinion. And then, you know, we can get into the strength of schedule. I was going through the kind of the, everyone knows, well, I guess, it, I'm new to this show, so I'm I'm a very data analytics guy. I have a degree in math. I love the numbers. That's kind of like my thing. So I went back and I looked at strength of schedule, you know, over the last 10 seasons for Notre Dame, and they average about 15 in the strength of schedule. Nationally, you know, that's 15 every year. That's that's a very good, you know, they had highs and lows of seven, lows of around 30. But, you know, we're staying in 
in a, in a very recognize, recognizable ballpark when it comes to strength of schedule. Um, and so, you know, I think that those things are common mis- mistakes about Notre Dame is their strength of schedule and the fact that they don't play in a, in a conference or have a conference championship. But when you look at it, uh, you know, like I said, over the last 10 years, they're, they're staying in the national, you know, at the top of the, the, the nation when it comes to st- strength of schedule. No, and I think that's a really good point, Jess, is, is this, the strength of schedule. And, and, and people will point. It's funny because the same people that will argue that Notre Dame needs to be in a conference are the exact same people that will say, oh, but the ACC schedule that they have is weak. It's like, well, do you want them in the conference or do you want, or, you know, you can't have it both ways, you know? Right. And, and and that's the part that gets me is the weakest part of Notre Dame's schedule is the ACC part. And that's the conference tie-in that they have. And if Notre Dame is going to join a conference anytime in the very near future, they're contractually obligated to join the ACC anyway. So that's where they would go. And all you would be doing is multiplying those ACC games. And is that going to make your schedule better? Or, you know, who are you replacing on your schedule that's going to make them better if you're in a conference? Now, you've got the conference championship game, but your point is 100% valid that all of these other schools that are in the conference championship games, that's their 12th data point because you can't count those FCS games. Right. It, it, you shouldn't because they're in a completely different league than you are. Like there's, there's no reason that that should even count that it, it, they have 11 data points going into the conference championship. They get their 12th where Notre Dame finishes up their 12th over Thanksgiving break. And so they're just sitting Those back and they're watching. guaranteed, you know, the 12th one, you got to be in the conference championship. So I would say that Notre Dame is ahead of a lot of the majority of the teams in the country in that aspect. Absolutely. Could not agree more. And I, I will also say that, look, Navy's never leaving the schedule. So the co- the conversation behind Navy and they're not good enough and they're this and they're that, they're not leaving the schedule. So if you want to count them as your as your FCS or, or however you want to count it in your brain, they're still considered, a, you know, they're, they're a 1A school, right? So they count, but they're not leaving. And so that's that's a given. They're not going anywhere. Whether you like it or whether you don't like it, that's not the conversation. They're not leaving. So you're not going to increase your strength of schedule that way. And I think Notre Dame has done a pretty good job of going out there and getting marquee level games. Look, they play Ohio State home and away. They're going to play Alabama here coming up. They, you know, They've got games on the schedule that are going to be good. And the ACC schedule is planned out all the way into like 30-35 or something ridiculous like that. It's hard to control when teams are going to be yes, good yes. at the time in which you schedule them. Absolutely. And if you'd have told you know, people back in the, in the 90s that Notre Dame is going to be playing Florida State a bunch, like, oh, wow, okay, well, that's going to be – or, or Miami or, you know, whatever, right? You know, oh, okay, well, all right, let's go. That's clearly not the case at the moment. Now, I think Miami, Miami is on the upswing. We'll see about Florida State, right? But you that's the problem with college football. And I would actually say let's back it down a little bit as far as how far in advance we're scheduling some of these yeah. games. Like, it's, it's ridiculous, especially for teams – like Notre Dame, who are scheduling all out-of-conference games because they're not in a conference. And so you're going out there, you're trying to get the big names, you're trying to do these things, and then all of a sudden they're not very good when you play them. It's like, you know, we, we tried. Or, or the opposite happens. They schedule a Cincinnati who was okay right. when they scheduled them, and they ended up being a 
Final Four team when they're on Notre Dame's schedule. So, I mean, the opposite can happen too, right? And that just helps the strength of schedule. But you're right. Strength of schedule for Notre Dame is it's debatable. But if you can hover around that 15 area, I mean, that's with all of the question marks and all of these different things when you're planning so far ahead. I don't think that that's all that bad. I mean, I'll take that. If you're playing a top 15 schedule every year, and you're going 10 and 2, 11 and 1. I mean, what more can you really ask for? You obviously have, you know, strength of schedules is an average. So you have teams that are, you know, better than that 15 mark that you're, you know, you're playing. And you have obviously right. some that are a little bit worse. But if you can beat those teams that are above above that average, you know, the the one through ten range, and you finish the season with the strength of schedule of 15 and you know you're 11 and 1, how can you say that's an easy schedule? Right. Yep. Could not agree more. And, you know, I'll, I'll just let's we've been talking about the ACC, right? So let's let's talk about the ACC and their conference championship. Right. I mean, look, Clemson obviously has dominated the ACC over the past. What do you want to say? Decade? We'll say decade. Right. Yeah. They, they, they pretty much dominated. But when they go to the conference championship, they're playing Virginia. Pitt, who was unranked at the time, uh, they played number nineteen Virginia Tech. They played number twenty. Or, I mean, sorry, Florida State played number twenty Duke. Like, is that? I mean, unranked best, Georgia Tech. Like, the best ACC championship was when Notre Dame was in it, and it was Clemson <laughs> versus Notre Dame. Right, exactly. So, like, I mean, are are we really? Does the now outside of the SEC? Okay, because the SEC championship is generally a pretty good game. It's being yeah, what Georgia, it decides who's Alabama. probably going to get into the the final four. It's like a de facto play-in game, right? Yes. The ACC championship game it has been flat out boring, frankly. I would say the Big Ten too. Whoever wins the East, the West is never really good. It's either Iowa, you know, it, it's Northwestern. At, no, yeah, like look at these games that the the Big Ten plays at the end of the season. You know, it's like. Whoever wins the East, whoever wins that last game between Ohio State and Michigan is likely going to win the Big Ten Championship. Yes. You know, you could throw Michigan State in there every third or fourth year, but still, they're they're still destroying the other side. So, sorry, not to get off track, but. No, no, no. I I think that's completely (laughs) accurate, and that's the thing. So, bringing it full circle, we're talking about conference championship games, right? Do they really make that much of a difference? Are, Are we really finding out more about these teams? Are they really games that you circle and you're like, well, that's clearly a playoff team because they won that conference championship. Like, right. No. Just I, the 12 data point. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And Notre Dame <laughs> already has 12. So I'm sorry that that's debunked for me. So that's a really, really good one, Jess. Well done on the first one. Let me throw out another one for uh, for people. And let's, let's go. And this is a very common one. So I don't know how much time we're going to spend on it, but I, I do – want to debunk this and i think that marcus freeman has pretty much done a fantastic job of debunking (laughs) this all on his own Uh, but the recruiting the recruiting aspect of notre dame right so we've been told for the last 12 years that notre dame has to shop down a different aisle you know all these different things and, and you can only recruit so many kids and you have to look at the 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 landscape and you can only pick these kids that you can recruit and all of these different things that's not true. Like that, that's just an, that's an excuse before you even get started in my opinion. And so it creates a mindset of kind of laziness to start. Absolutely. Because you're like, well, we can only recruit these kids that go to Catholic school or kids that have really, really good grades and they have to meet this profile before we can even start recruiting them. 
Marcus Freeman's like, I'm going to go recruit the best players in the country, and then we'll make them into Notre Dame men. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry, but it it has clearly shown Notre Dame has a handful of five stars already in the class. They're they're doing their thing. They're recruiting at a high level. They've gotten kids that Notre Dame wouldn't have touched in the man, past. It's so ex- that's what makes it so exciting right yes. now. Vince, is Notre Dame is recruiting on the same playing field as you know Alabama, Ohio State, and whether you want to admit it in the not or or not in the past, that was the issue. You could just tell by when they got to these games that. You know, Alabama, Ohio State, whoever, they just had different athletes. Right. And you can't do anything. You can't teach speed, athleticism, the ability to cut. Like, it's just you, you can't. And so now that Notre Dame is getting – I think we are preparing for one of the more exciting eras in Notre Dame football in recent. And it's hard – it's crazy to say that coming off of what Brian Kelly did, you know, in his last five or six seasons. Ab- absolutely. I mean, the fact that the – you know, if you if you go by the, the points – that all these different uh, services use, right, to, to add up the classes, right? And Notre Dame has been going back and forth with Ohio State for the 23 class, the number one class in the country, et cetera, right? And they they add up all the points, and that's how they figure it out, and blah, 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 blah. In the first year of Marcus Freeman being head coach, they already have surpassed the point total of every single recruiting class that Brian Kelly has ever had at Notre Dame. And it's not even a full – I mean, and look – I'll give credit where credit's due. Brian Kelly was the head coach when this class got started, right? And there were kids that committed to this class when Brian Kelly was head coach. So I will give credit where credit's due. Now, the devil's advocate of that would say, well, those were most like those were defensive players. They were recruited by Marcus Freeman as the defensive coordinator. But you got to give him credit if he's the head coach. So I'll do that. But the fact that in half of a year, essentially, they have surpassed what was done here at Notre Dame as a recruiting situation over the last 12. Pretty much says all that you need to know. And the fact that they are in on all of these elite recruits that were just in town yesterday. I mean, we're, we are getting floods of information about what these guys felt about going to the barbecue and being on campus and all of these different things. It's all positive, you know, and they're getting guys on campus that they never have gotten on campus before. I'm I'm sorry. You can recruit the top level kids in the country. Now, are there certain kids that are not going to get into school at Notre Dame? Yes. Of course there are. Of course. And that's going to be the case at a lot of places around the country. But you cannot use that as an excuse. Go recruit those kids. See if they're Notre Dame guys. You know, make them Notre Dame guys. So I, I would say let's debunk the fact that Notre Dame can't recruit at a very, very high level. Yeah, I like what you said there, you know, oftentimes what gets overlooked as a coach, and you know this, it's, you know, developing and molding men by the time that they're done playing under under your kind of wings or situation. Yeah, there's obviously it, it, the grand scheme of things, you're coming to play football, but not everyone goes on to the NFL. And I think that's what Marcus Freeman is really hitting on. And his recruiting pitch is, you know, what can Notre Dame serve you even if you don't go to the NFL? You have a Notre Dame education. You can go get a very good job, you know, with a right. very good education that's going to be largely pay, pay, paid for, mm-hmm. you know, under scholarship and that kind of situation. Um, so, yeah, like it's it's important. And I think that Marcus Freeman has done a great job of, you know, I'm going to mold your son into a Notre Dame type man. And he's going to have a Notre Dame degree in four years, even if the whole football thing doesn't pan out. Right. Absolutely. No question about it. So 
Myth number two, debunked. You can actually recruit at a high level at Notre Dame, and you don't have to have the excuses of it's really hard to get in here, etc. Myth number three, Jesse, what do you got? So the next one I had is Notre Dame often uh, today relies on its past success uh, kind of going forward. And so basically what it is is Notre Dame's past success is often what, you know, gives maybe this kind of overhype around Notre Dame football today. So what I did again is I kind of went back and looked at the numbers largely, and I looked at the Lou Holtz era from 87 to 96, arguably probably one of the best eras in Notre Dame football history, right? Okay, during that era, they averaged nine and a half wins, um, and they – hang on, I had one more number written down. Nine and a half wins, and then from – 2012 to present, Notre Dame averaged 9.7 wins. So we're talking some of, you know, Notre Dame's biggest era of football, you know, Lou Holtz, they went, you know, they, they, they were playing in constant Fiesta Bowls and, you know, these large bowl games and winning them. And I think that's probably the big thing that hurts Notre Dame today is they're making these games, but they're not quite winning them. But, you know, that's a different topic. You know, who's beating Alabama really in those, <laughs> in those type of games, you know, right. they're, they're largely beating you know, being everyone else out. But I guess the main thing that I'm trying to say is between 96 or sorry, 87 and 96 in 2012 to present, Notre Dame is about the same team. They're averaging just about the same amount of wins. Sure. So for, for, for me, it's hard to say that, uh, you know, that, that the past success is what is currently driving, you know, things around Notre Dame now, maybe the overhype. I just think that, you know, this is probably one of Brian Kelly's ultimate biggest weaknesses. They just haven't won the big games. They didn't win the national championship. They haven't won a New Year's Six bowl game. Yeah, he won, you know, some bowl games, but they weren't the New New Year's Six level. So I think that's the knock at at this era is that they just haven't finished it out. I don't think that they're relying on past success. I think they're playing to the same level. They're just not, you know, putting the stamp and finishing the deal ultimately at the end of the season. You know, that's a really good point. And I I will add to the fact that, look, over the past – 10 years, Notre Dame has played for a national championship three times. They've been in the playoff twice and they were in the national championship game in 2012, right? So yeah. they they have played they have played for a championship three times. I mean, how, how can you possibly say that they're not relevant based on what they've been doing over the past 10 years? And again, you can give Brian Kelly a lot of credit. He has brought Notre Dame to a level where 10 wins is anticipated. It is the floor for this program, I think, and rightfully so. That That's the way Notre Dame should be. Ten wins should absolutely be the floor of, of this season. And, you know, you got to give Brian Kelly credit for that. But Notre Dame is absolutely 100% relevant. And I know uh, another myth that you're going to bring up that we maybe we'll just jump to in a second, but it's all about Notre Dame's relevance, right? They're 100% relevant right now. They get eyeballs. They get butts in seats. They win games. They're double-digit winners. They're, you know, they're doing all of the things that you want a power team to do, right? Now, are they on that top tier? No, they're not because they haven't won that playoff game. They haven't won that national championship since 1988. So they're not on that top tier. They're just below that, though, because they check off every one of the other boxes that you need to be a power team. They check every one of them off. They just haven't won that national title yet. Is that a huge hurdle that they have to climb yet? No question. They absolutely need to do that if they want to be on that top tier. And then 
play for those titles and be in the conversation year in and year out. But guess what? They are. They're in the conversation. They just need to clear that hurdle of a national title. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, today we get so delusioned by the program that Alabama runs. I mean, they're in the national championship or winning a championship, it seems like, every third year. And I think that gives people unrealistic expectations because there's not many teams who win a national championship, you know, once in every 20 and 30 years is considered, you know, pretty good. And you right. got Alabama who's probably averaging one about every three to five. So I think it's largely skewed uh, by a team like that when it's so hard at any level to win any sort of championship. So the fact that I, I get it and Notre Dame hasn't done it, but they're in the conversation, they're in the mix and that's a lot better than teams who haven't won a championship and who aren't in the mix as right. well. Absolutely agree. And so if anybody, and there's some great comments in here that I, I definitely want to bring up. <laughs> uh, Michael says, if Notre Dame was irrelevant, there wouldn't be the hate for them because people wouldn't care. Kind of like Stanford. That's a pretty solid point right there. And Tyler says, for not being relevant, our name sure comes out of a lot of people's <laughs> mouths an awful lot. You're right about that one. Could not agree more on that. So uh, you're right. The Yankees, you know, if you want to talk about the other big teams, you want to talk about the Cowboys, you want to talk about the Yankees, right? If you watch NFL Network, who do they talk about the most, Jess? The Cowboys. The Cowboys. Because it sells. When was the last time the Cowboys won a playoff game? Not since I've been alive. (laughs) Okay, I didn't realize it would even been that long. So that's six, baby. That's a really good point. So you made my point for me. That's fantastic. So, but they're still relevant because everybody hates them. And so they're relevant period. Right. And, and they make headlines and they're talked about all the time. The Yankees haven't been relevant from a playoff situation for a while, from a world series situation for a while. Now they're getting back there and they're, they're actually a really good team this year. Right. But you hate the Yankees, then you're always going to hate the Yankees and, and they're not going to be irrelevant. Right. So um, it, it's kind of fun that people think that Notre Dame's not relevant. I, I, I find that to be frankly hilarious, but <laughs> Hey, say la vie. So uh, Notre Dame is relevant by the way. And so we will debunk that myth as well. Another myth that I want to debunk that seems to really have legs as of, uh, I don't know, over the past, well, I know why. I was going to say over the past five to ten years, because they heard it out of the coach's mouth more often than not, is that Notre Dame is lacking in facilities on campus. And I wanted to debunk that rumor because Notre Dame has put forth close to a billion dollars in football-related expenses as far as facilities are concerned. They have an elite indoor facility like that indoor facility is unbelievable it's unbelievable i mean it's awesome right now not the football team isn't the only one that uses it soccer gets in there and and some other things but they use it not only for practice but they have their uh recruiting stuff in there they've had major press conferences in there that's where marcus freeman had his introductory press conference that's where they did the the blue and gold draft like they use that facility for a lot and it is awesome and it's obviously it's connected to two two other fields that are both have turf on them outside they have access to another grass field they have four practice fields one of which is inside in a beautiful facility they have the goog which is obviously a football only building now the goog needs to be updated 
but it is in the plans and that is happening. And I'm pretty sure they show those plans to the recruits that are coming in and all that. But let's just talk about the stadium itself, the crossroads project. Like that stadium, Jess, is unbelievable. It's right so now. crazy. Like if you would have went to a game, let's see, probably like in 2008. And then if you wanted to go to a, you know, a game this season, oh my, <laughs> like the campus, one, the campus landscape itself wouldn't look the same. Not even close. Because of all the different facilities that have popped up. Yes. But then just to talk about the stadium itself and the concourse outside, it's like, I think you would, you would literally think you're dreaming. Like it would be almost delusional to that point from where it was now, or sorry, where it was 10, 15 years ago compared to present day. It, is, it has changed so much, even since you worked on campus in the summer times. Like there, there were, there were uh, routes that we would take, you know, with our little off-road vehicles and things like that. They don't even exist anymore because there's buildings <laughs> in the way, right? You, there, there's certain things, there's certain places that you can't go. There's certain things that you can't do anymore. They basically closed off the campus to cars now, and there's, there's drop arms, and there's buildings being built pretty much around the clock. Right. So the campus is completely different. The stadium is completely different. I realized they did the first renovation in 98, I believe, uh, when Davey was here. That changed it because they put up the new outer shell. Then they got the new press box and all these different things. And now they've got the Crossroads Project. Look, the facilities on campus are unbelievable. They're, they're really, really good. Now, do they have the slides? Do they have like some of the over the top things that other schools have? No. It's traditional, but then with a little bit of modern flair, I think is the best way to put it. And I, and I think the perfect example of that, thank you for bringing me back home, was, is the, the way that they redid the locker room, right? They, they got the logo on top with the backlighting. They redid all the lockers, but they kept the exposed brick and they did all the different things. They kept the, uh, the staircase down where you hit the play like a champion sign. Like they kept a lot of the, the feel and the tradition of the locker room but they enhanced it with there's a kitchen in there now for nutrition. They redid the showers and the bathroom and all of the different amenities that you would want as a player, but they kept the tradition. And look, if you're a high, if you're a high school kid and you're making your football decision, your college decision based on the fact whether they have a fireman's pole and a slide, <laughs> you're probably not going to pick Notre Dame anyway. So I'm kind of okay with that. Like that should not be the reason that you pick a school. Okay. That should be just an added bonus, I guess. No, I agree. If that's your tip of the iceberg, then you, you got some bigger, some bigger <laughs> issues going on. And I think that's what Notre Dame's biggest selling point is right now is like, look at, they're a top tier program. They're, you know, they compete for the playoff every year. They have beautiful campus. They have a great education. They have beautiful facilities that are constantly being updated. It's like, to me, and I'm obviously very biased, but like, what more could you ask for? You're getting a great education, great, you know, the chance to play nationally and make a playoff. And you have great facilities in which the, the, the program, the campus wants to continuously make better for you, which is maybe unfair to some of the other programs, but football obviously makes the most money. So it's, it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, no question about it. So Andy's facilities are garbage. Myth debunked. That's not true. I'm over there every day. Their facilities are not garbage. They're in great shape. So I'm going to toss it back over to you. What is your next myth that we're going to chat about? 
So for my last myth, what I wanted to talk about is, and it's actually kind of escaping me right now. So we talked about strength of schedule. We talked about. It is uh, the. Um, oh, uh, the preferential treatment. There you go. Yep. Here it goes. Sorry, everyone. I just had a mental long day. Big brain <laughs> fart. But the last, the last myth that I would like to debunk is that Notre Dame gets preferential treatment when it comes to things like New Year's Six Bowls bowl games in general, you know, maybe making it in the final, the last spot in the final four. Um, and I think the thing that I want to hit on the most here is that it kind of all goes full circle of what we've kind of, I've kind of, you know, demythed here around the uh, previously is that there's no reason that Notre Dame shouldn't, you know, when they've gotten let in, in those final four spots, they've had the credentials to get into the final four spot They're you know, they're going 12 and 0, 11 and one, and they have a full 12 data points. Their strength of schedule is good. You know, they're beating the teams that they're supposed to. Um, and I think a big aspect, and a lot of people don't want don't to admit to this, is when Notre Dame has the credentials to get in, which they do, and there's an opportunity in which Notre Dame fits, they're going to take it every time because Notre Dame sells seats. Bingo. Notre Dame sells viewership. Notre Dame gets people to travel. They have fans all across the country. You know, I was reading an article earlier today when I was kind of doing some a little bit of background uh, research. When Notre, I can't remember the specific bowl, but Notre it was it wasn't a New Year's Six bowl. I think it was like the Hawaii Bowl or you know some one of their random bowl games that they played in. They doubled attendance and viewership by just the year before, just because they're Notre Dame. So I think it's not preferential treatment. I just think that you know it kind of comes back to either you hate or love Notre Dame, and they have the credentials to make these situations. And, you know, make these scenarios, and if they're gonna sell and they're gonna get the viewership, I mean, what more can you ask for? In my right. opinion, oh, that's exactly right. I mean, look, does Notre Dame have a an agreement with the the CFP that is separate from all the other conferences? Yeah, they do, and there's a reason for that because they're Notre Dame. I, I mean, I don't. Maybe that sounds cocky. Maybe that sounds yeah, whatever. But they do, and it's because. If they're not in the college football playoff, okay, the other bowl games, what do they mean now? What, what are the other bowl games for? They mean yes. money. How much money. revenue can be generated? Exactly. And and guess what? Notre Dame brings in money. They bring in ticket sales. They bring in eyeballs on the TV. They do all of those things. Whether And if this goes back to your relevance conversation that you just had about Notre Dame, they're relevant because teams want Notre Dame to come to their stadium to play because they're almost guaranteed to sell out bowl games want Notre Dame to be there because they're going to sell tickets and people are going to watch them on TV. When the one year that Notre Dame played in the ACC, pretty much all of the Notre Dame games that were in the regular season were their top viewed games of the season because Notre Dame was involved. Okay. Those aren't accidents, right? I mean, it's because Notre Dame is Notre Dame, and they are going to continue to get that treatment. And it's not preferential. You can call it preferential if you want, but it's because money talks. Why are all these teams jumping conferences? Because money talks. (laughs) And why is supposedly Notre Dame asking for $75 million from NBC? Because NBC will make that kind of money on Notre Dame, and they can afford to pay it out if that's, in fact, what is actually happening. Right? Why do all these conferences want Notre Dame in them? Because Notre Dame brings money. They always will. They always have. And so do they have special agreements with, did they have one with the BCS? Do they have one with the college football playoff? 
yeah, they did. And until that goes away, Notre Dame's going to continue to be independent too. And I realize that's a whole other conversation that we don't necessarily need to get into, but that's a fact too. So look, Notre Dame has all of those things because they have earned it flat out. They have yeah. absolutely 100% earned it. We- so it's not, they're not given, it's not like uh, the coach's kid that gets to pitch on the travel team, even though he stinks. It's that Notre Dame has earned that opportunity and earned that right. And so they get it. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're a top tier program that is driven by success, you have the success and then you add a loyal fan base. I mean, that is the perfect marketing pitch. I think that there, that there ever is when you're trying to generate revenue. And that's, you know, that's what college football is about outside of, like you said, the playoffs, they, you, you put in the teams that, you know, meet the credentials and you know, are going to, you know, produce the revenue. And that's right. sad, and not sadly, that's what Notre Dame does every year. And I think that's often why, you know, we have friends that don't like Notre Dame and that we're Notre Dame fans is because of it's it's just a different kind of uh, it's a different kind of fan. You know, there is some arrogance to it. Notre, we know that Notre Dame is good and they are known on a national level. So that creates a lot of hatred uh, from other people. No doubt about it. And I'm OK with it. That's fine. You can hate. And, and that's that's totally OK by me. So. Okay. Uh, do you have another one that you want to talk about or are we good in that regard? Cause I, I've got another one that we can bring up. It, it just goes back to all the recruiting and, and I kind of took recruiting and broke it down. And, and I, I said that nobody wants to go to school in Northern Indiana. I think that has pretty much been debunked for a while. I don't think that has anything to do with anything anymore. I just, with the ease of travel and all of these different things that are going on these days, I don't think going to school in South Bend is really, a determining factor for a lot of these kids. And they're, they're proving over and over again that that's not the case. I don't hear that from a lot of people. Yeah, there's kids that don't want to leave the South, and I totally get that. But Notre Dame, Ohio State, like all, you know, the big powers up here, they never had a shot at that kid anyway. It's not South Bend. It's the Mason-Dixon line. Like They don't want to deal with winners, <laughs> and they don't want to deal with all that other stuff. Yeah, from like mid-October to November, you might have – a decent case but it's sure. like you said it's not just Notre Dame like <laughs> they're either coming above that line or they're not <laughs> <laughs> it's 100% correct I mean there's certain kids you're not getting out of the SEC which country. is kind of crazy because like last time I checked there's a lot of NFL stadiums and their season goes goes longer and they're not outside like you want to go play at Lambeau you know it, when Packers are good every year and they're making late playoff runs you got to play in the snow at some point so yeah yeah exactly so I, and look, Notre Dame has that kind of an advantage late in the season when when teams are coming into Notre Dame and they're playing in the weather and they're doing all those things. Look, that's an advantage for Notre Dame, no matter how right. you look at it, right? So um, I, I think it's – I don't even think that that's a thing anymore. Maybe some people are thinking that, oh, nobody wants to go to school in South Bend. Okay, I mean, I'm sorry. There's <clears throat> There's plenty of nightlife. There's plenty of things to do if you want to get it done. I'll just put it that way. I'm sure you're aware of that as well. So uh, I don't think that's a myth anymore. Have we hit all of them for today, Jess? I think that clears my list. Does that clear your list? Clears my list. Yeah, definitely. Uh, There was one, and I should have started up here, but there was one up here that I wanted to get to. Mm -hmm. I also saw the NDN 8. SHN dropped the $5. Yes, we got got to put an ND Nation. There it is. ND Nation with the super chat. He's, uh, ND Nation says Marcus Freeman needs to do what BK never did: win a big game. Besides Put the stamp the on it. 
Yeah, no doubt. Besides the depleted Clemson team, BK couldn't get us over the top. Also, blowouts don't help. He's a, Look, ND Nation, you are 100% correct on that, that when we've talked about that a bunch, that Brian Kelly got Notre Dame to a certain point. And even he believed he couldn't get Notre Dame above that point. That's why he left. He thought that going to LSU gives him an opportunity to get over that, you know, 10 win, 11 win, not winning in the playoffs hump. That's why he left. He doesn't think that Notre Dame can get over that hump. So he, he took off. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Peace be with you. And we'll see what Marcus Freeman can do. In order for him to be better than Brian Kelly, right? He needs to take Notre Dame over that hump. And the first thing that he needs to do is win that playoff game. I completely agree with that. And we're all hoping that he takes Notre Dame and wins the national championship. No doubt about it. But if you're taking it one step at a time, being competitive and winning that playoff game, that's that's step number one. Yeah, it's just um, it, it's it's kind of crazy when, when you think about it, like Brian Kelly and this is. I think what the, the season, I think what we take advantage of with Brian Kelly is he knew how to win games in crunch time. I think that is one of Brian Kelly's biggest attribute, whether you like him or not. You know, he had some some big hurdles last year and he found a way to win some games late in fourth quarters, which should be attributed to his great coaching skill. Now, I think Marcus Stream is a better recruiter and gonna bring in better players, but can he do can he can, can he take that from Brian Kelly? And be able to win those late games when coaching really has to come in, come into play. And I think the thing I think about most with Brian Kelly is, and I, I think I've said it before on this show, is Brian Kelly wanted to take all the credit for his successes and wanted to be praised. But as soon as something wrong, something went wrong, he wanted to blame the first person he could or find sure. the first excuse. And that excuse for him was, well, I've hit my recruiting ceiling. What more do you want me to do? It's not my fault. Right. I haven't, I haven't gone over the hump. Right. Absolutely. Completely agree with that. And it's Brian Kelly did a masterful job because he's a politician. Like that's his background. He's a politician. It's a very good point. I've never thought of him like that, but now I see so much of that in him. Oh, he, he is a master manipulator of the press and to get his, let's call it a platform because he's a politician, right? To get his platform out there. He is really good at it. He's really good at it. And I w- would like to call it making excuses. Okay. But it's the same thing. I mean, but he's really, and because he'll stand, he'll, he'll, he'll talk to you straight in the eyes with a straight <laughs> face and tell you things that you know aren't true. And you'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he's really good at it. I give him a lot of credit for that, man. You know, but it, the, the bottom line is it's, it's, all of the myths that Brian Kelly put out there into the ether that, like I said, I look at them as excuses are being shattered left and right. And I love every second of that. So uh, we got another uh, super chat from ND Nation. Second one, my, my guy. We're on or a my, roll. Or my gal. I'm not sure which. I don't want to discriminate. But says it all starts with recruiting. So far, so good. No question about yep. that. Yeah, no question about that. And look, Marcus Freeman has coached one game. And he was doing it with a staff that is like 60% different than it is now. And so a lot of things have changed since that day in, in Death Valley, right? When, when we were in Arizona, a lot of things have changed from now, from then until now. And all he has in front of him is recruiting and he is knocking it out of the park. So 
so far, so good. I completely agree with you, Ending Nation, and uh, hopefully it continues along that those lines, and I don't see why it wouldn't. There's a lot of momentum for the 24 class as well, so it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. There's no question about that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.